Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week of athletics. I don't know if we could get back to saying what our usual open is, at least not quite yet. We're getting excited about the possibility of athletics, I guess would be a better way to open the show, because the NBA is back, baby. They're in their bubble. They're trying to get the regular season part two underway. MLB is in its summer training, trying to get its season underway. Unfortunately, we still have more days ahead of us before seasons actually begin or restart. So, of course, there's things that could potentially go wrong. But at least we're in a position where you could potentially have some optimism. It's difficult maybe for us in the Northeast. I think at least for me, living in New York as you do, from the situation of what we had to deal with with the coronavirus to where we are now, It's hard to find optimism when COVID-19 is still running rampant throughout the country, but sports is trying to dictate our minds away from that, get back into the regular, get back into their seasons, and bring us joy and happiness, as sports often does. We only have two sports right now that are up in the air trying to get back, aside from NASCAR and golf and those guys. The NBA and the MLB are the two sports now in everybody's mind as we head to the end of July and the beginning of August of can they at least start their season and we'll go from there. From what you've seen so far, we've had star players unfortunately contract the virus, big names including Araldis Chapman on the MLB side most recently, Russell Westbrook on the NBA side most recently. So it's not like they've completely been evading this thing. But for the most part, I guess you have to say that things have been going okay so far. From what you've seen, are you starting to build some optimism, at least for those two sports, the MLB and the NBA, maybe being able to kick things off at the end of July? Well, Johnny, first of all, it's great to be with you again and all our listeners, and we hope everybody is staying safe. My uh, trip up to the top of the pedestal and my soapbox is to quickly tell everybody and anybody who's listening, put on a mask. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care. I mean, I do care who you vote for, but I don't care what your politics are. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or right or left wing, pay attention to what's going on. Do what's right for yourself, your family and the people around you and put on a goddamn mask. The life you save may be your own, or of equal importance, someone else's. Do it for yourself. Do it for everybody around you. And you know, if you want to see some sports, this virus has got to be stopped. This virus has got to be 
as they said seemingly years ago here, the curve has to be flattened, which was only a few months ago. And we did it in New York by wearing masks, by social distancing. Unfortunately, Florida, Arizona, California, Texas did not take, take the same route, and they are now where we were then. And that's causing a huge problem with respect to sports on both the professional and college level. And I don't know. Every time I think we're okay, I see another guy test positive. Every time I think we've made strides, I see another spike. We're going to start. We're going to start in the bubble. I'm fully confident that we are going to get underway. But I can't sit here and tell you I'm confident that we are going to find a way to finish. Because even if we do finish, what happens if it's the middle of the playoffs? Second round, third round, finals, and a team gets hit by literally, not the flu bug, but the corona flu bug. What happens? You're going to quarantine everybody to a championship series? I don't know. Rosters aren't big enough. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to make it. I do think the way the NBA has handled this, and I know it's incredibly difficult for these players, uh, even though you know it's not exactly like they are in solitary, but it has to be very difficult in terms of adapting to this new lifestyle, clearly, uh, where these are going to be, you know, young, even the older guys, still young, men, some married, some not. They're used to having company on a regular basis, I would think. They're not going to have any of that. They used to be able to go out, cavort, hang out with their guys, hang out with their girls. They're not going to be able to do any of that. Socializing, incredibly limited, everything in the bubble. We've heard about the food and how incredibly mediocre at best it is. And also, from that aspect of it, health and nutrition, these guys are used to nothing but the finest. We've seen the transition of players to when I was your age in terms of the way they ate and took care of themselves to the way they are now in terms of what they put in their bodies. And they're constantly concerned with nutrition and what's going in and how much their intake is per day and their workout regimens, et cetera. And they're just going to not going to have the kind of access they normally do to the foods they are used to eating. Will that have an effect? on their rest? Will that have an effect on the way they practice? Will that have an effect on the way they play, their endurance? These things are all wild cards as we go into the bubble for what soon will be the beginning of the end of the NBA season and the potential playing best of three. Um, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, it, the whole world it's got an asterisk next to it. I had taken the approach that this potentially could be the most fair, even-handed champion in the history of the NBA because everything is neutral. There's no home court advantage. It's totally a neutral playing field. You all play under the same conditions. There's no basket there's used to. You, there's no basket you're used to. There's no crowds to totally sway the home team to potentially affect the referees. 
How does it affect bench players who notoriously are better at home than they are on the road? Here it's neither. They're on neutral sites. So my argument was this could be the most, how should we say, uh, merit, meritorious NBA champion in history. But that's all out the window now because we don't know who's going to we don't know who's going to fly or who's not going to fly, and we have no idea what kind of effect. As I said before, diet and workout or lack of workout that's what it's going to have on all these guys because they are under totally foreign circumstance. They're in unexplored territory. It's almost back to like when they were playing travel ball. You know, they're in an AAU tournament at a neutral site in Macon, Georgia, except they're staying there for three months or two months. And they're playing the end of their season and all their postseason. It's not just a weekend or a one-week term or even a two-week term. But at least in those kind of circumstances, you could go out. You could go on a team tour. You could go sightseeing. You could go out to eat. Here, it's Disney, Disney, Disney. And they're a little old for Disney, Disney, Disney. So, to me, my mindset of it being, uh, you know, the fairest champion we've ever seen since it's played on uh, such an even keel, I think is out the window because we just now have no idea how the virus is going to affect uh, the way everyone is going to be able to play in terms of their abilities, in terms of their availabilities, and what the bubble effect is going to be on the way these players deal with their environment, which I really don't think enough people gave thought to early on. I do think, and this is Greg Pavlovich, quite frankly, has said this, um, he thinks this is the healthiest place to be. You think the way the NBA is approaching it is far and away the most protective it could possibly be, and they're safer there than anywhere else they could be unless you were home and didn't leave your house. If you're not going to the store, you're not roaming the aisles, uh, you're not going to a bar, you're not going to a restaurant, you're not walking the streets amongst people, people you don't know who aren't being frequently tested. The other thing is, where they are, everyone's being tested on a regular basis. So you just hope that somehow, some way, it works out where nobody has a major impact in terms of a loss of important guys on their roster. Although most guys are important when it comes to the playoff because depth is incredibly important. Uh, so it, it's really the whole deal is like this virus, like life that we've dealt with in the last four months. It's someplace we've never been. And it's a brave new world out there from an athletic perspective. Uh, baseball takes the different route where everybody's going to play in their ballparks. So far, so good in terms of uh, what's going on on that front. They're being tested regularly. Obviously, we've already talked about a couple of guys who tested positive. You know, your Yankee closer. Um, that's a 60 game sprint. So loss of a player for a couple of weeks will be huge, but the rosters are deeper. There's more to call on. It's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before on the baseball front with the new rules 
and the way the game is approached because you can't sit there and go with the veteran and ride him out because he's performed in the past or the guy who's making a lot of money. Uh, if he's in a 0 for 25 slump, well, that's five games. That's it. That's it. I mean, if you're looking to be five and oh, four and one of those games, maybe you could swing it. But if you're struggling and he's struggling, you can't wait. You can't hesitate. The team that I feel is able to deal with its own personnel in terms of its manager simply stating, look, here's what I got to do. Some of you aren't going to like it. Can't help it. I can't do the things I would normally do. Don't take it personal. You know the deal. It's all for the greater good. We only have 60 games. I can't go with you the way I used to. I can't have the patience I would have in a normal season. Whether you blow a couple saves, whether you know, you're know you one for 17, whether you boot a couple in the field, whether you have a couple bad starts, I got to go to somebody else because our margin for error here is reduced by 102 games. I think you'll see a lot more run manufacturing. I don't think you'll see nearly as much swing for the fences because I think every run is going to be so important because every game is so important. So I think there'll be far more important stress than old school baseball. At least I hope so. Getting on, getting on, moving runners, one run, two runs here could be gold because you're going to have bullpens that are going to be loaded rested, ready, deep starters. You're not going to have to worry about you know, going 25 or 30 starts. You're only going to have 10 to 12. So you can go deeper into games from that perspective, which could also give more rest to your bullpen. So, you know, it, it's 60 games. It's almost going to be like, you know, what's old is new again. We're going to go back, hopefully, to old school baseball. Advancing runners, stealing bases, uh, run prevention. Because every run is vital. You can't just swing for the three-run homer and not worry about striking out four times, three, four times this game that I might run into. So that aspect of it I find very intriguing. And I'm hoping it brings baseball back to the way it used to be. That remains to be seen. And again, I, I think the aspect of the deeper rosters will help baseball dramatically in terms of you know, losing a guy or losing a couple of guys, but we've already seen, you know, major players uh, step out and say, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. David Price said, no, Nick Markakis has said, uh-uh. And in the meantime, the Braves went out today and they signed Yasiel Puig. So, I, I mean, what's your take on the major players? Do you think there are others who will, you know, opt out? We've already seen Price. We've seen Markakis and Trout. We have doubts about. Buster Posey, another one, staying home with his newly adopted. Well, the kids. Giants suck, so right, he's Buster not going. He's better it's, off it's staying not home. Been, it's not even been an impact player the past couple of years. No knock on Buster Posey, but as good as Buster Posey may perform this year, he may have an impact on who they're playing against. But you know, the Giants aren't going anywhere with or without Buster Posey. But teams of impact, Dodgers, Braves, have lost two key guys. I think there's the possibility to be a snowball effect if things start going south for some teams. Thankfully, we haven't seen that yet. We mentioned Araldis Chapman. 
the Yankees seemed to take that in stride, the players, that is, when they were asked, what does this mean? You're obviously around him since we've been back. And they're all about making sure that the testing is done, making sure that they're healthy, and they want to play baseball. But what happens if multiple guys on your team gets it? What happens if some of the bigger name guys in the sport get it and upon getting it decide they don't want to play the rest of the season? Is that going to make other guys say, well, if he's not playing, I'm not playing. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to the game of baseball. I want out. It's going to be the most interesting thing about even just getting to the regular season. We still have a couple more weeks of that before they even have their quote-unquote opening day to see what happens if things go in the worst way possible. As it is now, just logistically, just on paper, what the NBA is doing I think is the best-case scenario for what you should at least try to do to get your sport back. Have everybody under one roof, in a sense, playing under one roof, in a sense, constant testing, not being close together, in a sense, as best as they can, aside from playing the actual sport, and having an eye in the sky, not Adam Silver, because he said he's not staying there for the whole 60 days, he'll come in and out, but an eye in the sky in the sense of, here's what the rules are, Here's what we're going to try to enforce. Let's try our damnedest to see if this is going to happen. And if that doesn't work, if what they're doing doesn't work, I don't know how you could look at the other sports and think, all right, if the guys that are in one state and in one city, granted that city is in shambles as far as its cases go and how they've handled the coronavirus throughout from Memorial Day till now, if that doesn't work, how are we going to have Major League Baseball teams play games in different stadiums, even if we're just keeping them to, quote-unquote, their coasts, their divisions, etc.? I mean, it's nice if the Yankees play the Mets every game. You could hose the subway down every time they have to go to the stadium, and that would be fine. But it starts becoming a problem when it's, oh, we have to travel to Boston. Well, how are we going to get there? We're not going to take a bus. We'll fly how are we going to get here? How are we going to get there? Who are at these places already that have the potential to get this virus spread amongst our team? It's not the team that you're going to have to worry about. It's the busboy potentially taking your luggage at the hotel. It's the people that are also sacrificing themselves to do the normal nine to five jobs while all this is going on at the same time. Disney World is up and running in Orlando. The hotels are only for the NBA players, but you're still a stone's throw away from potential disaster. Every time you come up with a pro and how you think this should go, there's another con you can add to it. Well, what if? What if the bus driver? What if the pilot? What if the this? What if the that? We don't know. And that's the unfortunate part about this is still up till now in July, we don't have any answers for these things. There was a reason for us to be pessimistic in March living in New York. It was an absolute shit show. Every day was worse than the last. But now we're at the point where the other day there, there were no deaths from COVID-19. The line, the, the actual flattening of the curve happened in New York. It's been amazing to watch. But then you look around the other parts of the country and it's not the same case. And you're going to have Major League Baseball teams in those places trying to play baseball games? I wasn't expecting to still 
have to have pessimism in July. There was the optimism in March. Well, this can't last. We'll figure it out. There's going to be answers. It's not going to be this bad for this long. But even though New York isn't in that same state, other states now are where New York was, if not worse. And that just kind of jabs at you. While you're excited for seasons to start, it's hard to think that they'll be able to, or at least, as you said, continue, because we still haven't figured this thing out. And it's July. Well, when you've got the total and complete refusal on the part of so many people to, for lack of a better term, respect the virus for what it is. Now, incredibly contagious it is. And by failing to follow simple guidelines, all you have to do is look, I understand I'm an old man. I'm the old report. When I have been out there at 25 years old at beach parties with girls on my shoulder, I don't know, maybe, you know, because, oh, yeah, we got it licked. You know, the curve is flattening. It's okay to open up. You're not taking my summer away. We're going to the beach, Al. We're going to the beach. You know, I'm young. I'll take my chances, et cetera. Maybe. I can't I can't stand in the shoes of where I would where I was 40 years ago when I was young and stupid. And I was young once and I was stupid. I'm not as stupid as I used to be, but I was stupid. Um, you look around on the news. It's and it's not just the kids. It's the grown-ups in restaurants, in bars, at rallies, no masks, on top of each other. Well, what would you expect? Governors opening states, you know, to show that they they want to be in compliance with the president. And well, look what happened to those states. Look what happened to Florida. Look what happened to the smart-ass governor who said, "Boy, you know how you like me now? How do we like you now? You horse's ass. Look at your state. It's a train wreck." At least the Texas governor had the temerity to say, you know, uh, uh, we opened too soon. We had to do over again. Wouldn't have done it. At least he had the wherewithal to admit that. Arizona train wreck. Texas train wreck. Florida, a total and complete nightmare. California, open too soon. A mess. Uh, it, it just makes you wonder what the mindset was when they saw us every night on the news and what we were going through with the cases mounting and just out of control and the hospitals overflowing and no masks and no gowns when we're in a, a state of emergency in New York. And lo and behold, we at least got it under control. Whether or not we continue to do so will be up to the people and hopefully through the leadership of our governor. We will keep it under control where we have some type of return to normalcy in the not-too-distant future before there is a vaccine. Lord only knows that that's going to happen because you already have people you know, wanting to go out. I see too many people out now with no masks and no distancing. You must wear a mask. It's simple. It really is. It's the simplest thing in the world. You know, Get a mask with your team logo. I mean, if you want sports back, wear a mask. That's the fastest way to getting it back other than the vaccine. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I agree with you. The baseball scenario is somewhat mystifying. I mean, do you really expect these guys to play without spitting? I mean, come on. They're spitting their whole lives. They're spitting since they were five. You're going to stop spitting? Can't shake a guy's hand after home run, high five, fist bump, nothing. Will they get used to it? Probably. But they're also going to be within that internal group. So what I don't understand is they're tested all the time in the NBA. These guys are going to be hands all over each other. So in MLB, what's the big deal if you're all tested, uh, you know, of shaking your your guy's hand, of high-fiving your guy, of fist-bumping your guy? In the NBA, they're falling all over each other. They're boxing out. They're going over each other's backs. They're hand-checking. They're drawing charges. They're sliding on the floor, swapping sweat. You can keep that under control, but... Guy going around the bases, getting a fist bump. It was against the rules. You know, kind of takes a little something away from the game. And look, I'll be happy to watch whatever I get. Because it's not going to have any fans anyway. So it's just going to be for the opportunity to watch pure competition. And I guess you could kind of say the same thing about MLB that my point was about the NBA. Since there will be no crowds, there will be the home field advantage of playing on your own field in your own building. But again, there will be no crowds to urge on the home team and to affect the road team, specifically the pitcher when it's three and two and bases loaded, big spot, crowd going crazy. Guy can't find the strike zone. So I think that will also play a role. What kind of a role will it play? Well, does it make it more pure? than normal, but you know, the intrigue of watching games without fans in quiet buildings, basketball, baseball, even hockey, obviously it's going to take a huge part away from the viewing enjoyment. I don't know how much enjoyment it's going to take away from the players, simply because I don't know. I'm not the player. I know it's going to take a lot of enjoyment away from me as a fan, hearing the crowd, the crowd reactions, how they have the impact, uh, you know, for the home team versus the road team in all three of those sports, baseball, uh, basketball, and hockey. So I'm going to miss those crowds going nuts. And, you know, the announcer saying, you know, I I can hardly hear myself, or this is the loudest building I've ever been in. That's part of the excitement. But as we've said time and time again, you know, beggars can't be choosy. We literally have to take what we can get. And if they can provide us with some entertainment and distraction uh, of their competition, I mean, Christ, I'm watching car racing. Not constantly, but I've watched some. I've certainly been watching the golf. Not constantly, but, but some. So, and that's with no tiger. So, I really think if they get them off, they're going to be ratings boons in all sports. And when Tiger Woods hits the golf course this weekend, it's just going to be insane. 
absolutely insane. When Tiger is on the course during this pandemic and there is nothing else to watch, there's only one thing that's going to be watched, and that's Tiger Woods. You're going to have golf ratings go through the roof. Like being back in the early 2000s again, regardless of how he plays. We'll just be excited, hoping that he's donning that red on Sunday with a chance to contend. It's frustrating as well, speaking of watching things, is if you stay up as late as I do, once in a while, the Korean baseball organization comes on your television at 4 or 5 it's a in tough the morning. tough watch. If, if you're up that late. If you're up that late. But regardless of of the competition of the analysis, the broadcast, it's just disappointing that we can't have that because they got their first coronavirus positive test in South Korea. The same day as the United States has, they play, they played 60 games. Taiwan, All the teams. They're, play, Taiwan, they're playing in front of crowds. They've packed the stadiums. And regardless of if you like the team or, or what's happening in the game, it's just disappointing that, that that's not on the horizon. That's not even the light at the end of the tunnel. That's a pipe dream at this point. We just want to get to the regular season day one game and hope that everybody can be healthy for that. Forget about people coming. Umpires are getting out of there because they're too old. Ten or eleven of them are like, nah, I'm not coming on this little trip. Forget it. I'm too old. Except for Joe West. No, absolutely not. Not even the coronavirus. It's just disappointing to think at this point, everybody that had optimism for professional sports thought baseball would be currently being played and maybe there'd be fans. I mean, you got some people even in New York, but saying in, in Florida, oh, we'll be at 25% capacity at some point. Get out of here with that. How? <laughs> Show me how. These are all just pipe dreams and hopes, but you haven't done enough in the interim to make those things that can happen. It's so difficult to have optimism for professional sports, which is exactly why now, if you're more on the pessimistic side or just the realistic side, when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten in college football said, hey, we're just going down to conference games, man. We're not even going to risk these out-of-conference games. And for people that are saying, well, obviously the coronavirus isn't going to bother people for conference games. Get real, bro. It doesn't matter where you go to travel. What they're avoiding is that there's no czar, there's no commissioner in the NCAA to say this is what happens for all 300-plus teams if X, Y, and Z happen. If you go to travel to X school and their star quarterback on Friday night tests positive for coronavirus, what does X school then do? Does that one player get quarantined by himself for two weeks? Or does that school say our quarterback has it? We're quarantining the entire team. Now, meanwhile, you're already there. You've traveled. You've spent the money. You're ready to go for the game. Now that game gets canceled on a Friday night. What happens on Saturday? What happens to your schedule? There's no one in the NCAA to say, here are the guidelines. Here are the rules. Here's what's going to happen if the worst happens. Every school, it's up to them. So, yeah, keep it in your own conference so at least – the head of each conference can make some rules and decisions. I, look, I, I like what 
they did. I mean, it's at least a start. I, I know it, it doesn't it, solve it, anything, it, but at it's at least, least you, a start. At least you're staying within your realm. You're, it, at least you're controlling your environment. Uh, look, it's it's a one year thing. We're we're gonna have to do without USC and Notre Dame. We're gonna have to do without uh, you know the interconference rivals that we always see at the beginning of the season, some traditional games. But my fear is is, and I said this to you very early on in the winter. I told you we weren't gonna have an NCAA tournament, and I am telling you now, I'll be very surprised if we have a college football season. Very surprised because twofold. Number one, obviously, the spiking in areas that are so dominated by college football, the South, the West, the Southwest. And it's the one sport where having it, Actually, it's the two sports because they both involve colleges. College football and college basketball without fans is un- un- it's unfathomable. It really is. It's unfathomable. So much a part of college football and college basketball is the pomp, the circumstance, the fans, the kids the pregame, the game day. It's a celebration. It's gotten to be more of a celebration than an NFL Sunday because so much of NFL Sunday is concentrated on red zone, fantasy, home, watching in bars. College football has become much more of a fan fest, I believe, than any other sport. And that'll totally be lost. And as everyone has said, how can you send the players back on the field when the kids are not at school? You can go out and play on the one hand, but it's not safe enough for the kids to be back at school on the other. And not even just that, the other sports for that school, all the other fall sports, all the other winter sports. There might be schools that have no problem shutting all of those down and just keeping football. So you're going to look, look at all Ivy the other fall sports and be like, sorry. They were first in we're... basketball. They were first in football. They were the first of everybody in basketball. Will they be the first of everybody in football? It's going to be interesting. I mean, my fingers are crossed, but even the early let's at least get the football players to campus and let's get the fall athletes to campus. Some schools were just riddled with positive tests to which people said, well, this is great. Let them get it out of the way. Now herd immunity, they'll be ready for the season, except we don't know if herd immunity is the thing that that still has not yet to be confirmed. Antibodies, herd immunity, any of the, well, this is none of that has been confirmed. What happens after a person is diagnosed with coronavirus, then beats it, is healed, is healthy. They're no longer positive. We still don't know the effects, short-term and long-term, on the body, even of a 20-something-year-old college football player who's in better shape than 95% of the world, what effect it's going to have. 
No one has any answers now than when we started this four and a half months Once ago. Once kids are in the dorms, forget it. Yeah, absolutely. That's all she wrote. You, yeah, we're going are to you gonna, six feet apart. You're just going to bubble the football team together? What about the other kids? It's it's There's so, so many what-ifs and how-cans and how-will-wees. And as we mentioned, there's no head of college football to make these decisions. It's going to be up to and that leads school. us. That leads us to, of course, the sport and the league where there is a head where there are a multitude of billionaire owners. Where the talk is not of the virus. The talk is of contracts. <laughs> Nobody circles the wagons like the National Football League, as we always say. In this literally. Full literally no, now. They, now. Now they are literally circling the wagons. In the face of a worldwide pandemic, the National Football League has said, we will roll on. Cam Newton is in New England under Bill Belichick. Dak Prescott is either going to sign a new deal by what's the deadline tomorrow? Five o'clock noon. What time tomorrow? People will be listening to us by the time the deadline is passed. We'll just put it this way. Oh, I'm sorry. Or, 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 or play under the franchise tag. Uh, if I were him, if I had a four-year deal on the table, I would have taken it. If I had a four-year deal at $140 million with 100 guaranteed, I would have jumped all over it because you never know what's going to happen. He's only 24 years old. Play under the franchise tag for two more years, God forbid he gets hurt. Who knows what's going to happen with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the pandemic? Who knows what's going to happen to the cap? You may have kissed $100 million goodbye. If not, you're a free agent again in four years. Unrestricted. No tag, no nothing. Contract up. I'm taking a four-year deal, and I'm playing for the Cowboys. It's not like I'm playing for Jacksonville. I got weapons galore. How much further are you going to push the envelope? Alex Smith was incredibly durable, too. Look what happened to him. I understand quarterbacks are protected, but still, you never know. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now, meanwhile, Philadelphia, of all places, the famed Philly fans will not get to go see the Eagles. They will not get to go see the Phillies. Meanwhile, Baltimore fans will get to see the Ravens. New England fans will get to see the Patriots. They have said that they will indeed open the buildings come Sundays in the NFL, if we get to it, for at least a limited amount of fans. Your thoughts on that? I mean, God bless the mayor of Philadelphia, because what is he going to do with his city if his residents don't have, I mean, you could say baseball, but it really is the Eagles games to go to hundreds of thousands of people roaming the streets without a place to go on Sundays. Al, what are the, the loving, caring, carefree fans of Philadelphia athletics going to do without their beloved Eagles football? 
anarchy in the streets, riots. It's going to be, especially if other teams are able to bring in fans, as you mentioned, if that actually plays out and happens. They're, they're going to set the stadium on fire before the game even starts on Sundays if they're not allowed to go. I think it's way too early to tell. And it's there's been a lot of decisions to this point where people say, well, it's way too early to tell about winter sports, spring sports. How do we know? How can you just cancel whatever X and Y may be? But it, it wouldn't hurt to wait as far as when fans are going to be able to go. I understand they got to sell tickets for the season ticket holders and figure all that out attendance wise and stuff. But in a year where everything is just flipped around and crazy, it wouldn't hurt you to wait until a couple weeks out of the season. I don't think, but of all the cities to not have their beloved team to go watch Philly's got to be up on top of that list. And I, I don't think there are any NFL fans First of all, the Eagles rule in Philadelphia. Let's start with that. That's number one, top of the heap. And I don't think there are any fans that are more dedicated. I don't want to use the term maniacal. Simply more dedicated to their team than Eagle fans. They were incredibly loyal. They got their world championship. They're incredibly supportive. They love, love that football team. Philadelphia Eagle fans have a total and complete passion and love affair with their football team, much more so than with their basketball team, their baseball team. You know, I I used to think their hockey team was second on the list. I don't know anymore um, if that's the case, because, you know, the Phillies have a really good following. But... To me, I, I think the Eagles following is bigger, more loyal than the other three teams combined. I'd agree with that. Praised people out there. Absolutely crazed for the Eagles. And if they can't watch their Eagles play and other teams are able to, head for the hills. I mean, we saw how the state of Pennsylvania of it, just handled the coronavirus coming after Tom think, Wolf every day. Think, Get out of there. I th- I think a big part of it too is the rivalries that they have with the teams in the NFC East. Right. They despise, they hate Dallas. They despise the Cowboys. They hate Washington. They despise New York. So uh, the teams that are in the division and have been in their division for so long, since before you were born, They have a true intense rivalry and dislike with every one of them. It's like, it's like every game in the NFC East is like the Ravens and the Steelers. It's that kind of rivalry. It's that intense with all three of the teams in their division. And I think that you know, builds into a part of it as well. So to think that the Eagles will not be playing in front of any fans is really hard to believe. It's hard to fathom. As an outsider, it's hard for me to fathom. Speaking of Washington football, before we get out of here, we should address what historic, after 87 years, the Washington football team finally 
gets rid of its nickname, the Redskins. Still haven't announced what their new name will be. It was more an announcement to make an announcement, which sports loves doing. First of all, it broke on Sunday before they made the announcement on Monday that they were going to announce something on Monday. And then that broke what the announcement was going to be, so they didn't really have to do anything on Monday because everybody, thankfully, saw this coming after years upon years upon years of backlash was finally met with sense and a decision to change the team name that has just been a racial slur since its beginning. So can you address the racists, the doubters, these people that think getting rid of this team name is is going to screw with history and ruin the legacies of past teams, lest they forget that teams have left cities and changed names. You're all too familiar with that. The Houston Oilers in my lifetime became the Tennessee Titans. And the strange thing about when team names change or switch locations, like the San Diego Chargers moving to L.A. and the Oakland Raiders of all teams now moving to Las Vegas, you get over it. You get over it. Because you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't affect you, the fan, in the least, at least as far as name changes go. When your team switches locations, obviously that's a huge impact. If you're a fan of a local team, the St. Louis Rams faced that recently as well. But just changing the name is probably the least impactful thing that could happen to a sports fan. As far as now you have to get a new shirt or jersey or hat. Sorry about that. I just think that this is something that in the realm of where we are today was, first of all, long overdue and is something finally that has come to fruition because of where we are right now in America. We have had a snootful of prejudice and racism and bigotry and disrespect, uh, we've seen it obviously all prompted by the, the George George Floyd uh, murder. He's charged with murder. Well, let's call call let's call it what it is. And that has brought about so much protest, unrest, awareness. Etc. The Black Lives Matter movement. It has brought about social consciousness in all areas for not just blacks, but obviously Native Americans. And this is something that was obviously brewing over time. And as we talked about time and time again, and Snyder swore he would never change the name. But you know what walks and you know what talks and you know it's the money uh, that is the real deal. And when FedEx, who paid a ton of money for the naming rights initially, and Nike and Pepsi all say they're pulling out, well, then he's got a problem. He's got a huge problem. And where he's got minority owners that are minorities who are ready to walk, he's got a problem. And when he's got other owners 
31 of them who he is in partnership with, then it would be bad for business economically to keep the name, especially in light of what's going on with the social awareness and social consciousness in the NFL. Well, then he becomes an owner that they don't want around anymore. So it's not Daniel Snyder didn't have some big change of heart. Daniel Snyder didn't have some sudden social awareness, some rediscovery or discovery that this name is brutally prejudicial and disrespectful to Native Americans. He realized that I'm up against it. I will be in a financial crisis unlike any other because I'm going to be in a financial crisis to begin with, like our other owners, at least to the extent of we're not going to put that, that many fannies in the seats if we do play. So we've got to get our TV money, but I got to stay in good stead with my fellow owners. And the way you do that is by changing the name. It's as simple as that. And the question becomes, what are they going with? I'm sure it'll be something that is palatable for everybody. It has to be, but the names that I understand are in the works are, are tied up in potential litigation because some guy copyrighted a bunch of the names, including Warriors, which I know is you know a little commonplace, but I think has a nice ring to it. Uh, I have no idea what they're going to go with. You know, they've always said he and Ron Rivera supposedly have it down to two names. Rivera has been involved in it. I have no idea what they're going to be. Any idea on your end? Have you heard anything? seen anything that I haven't with your multitude of connections No, I, I just inside workings of the NFL? It was a, a lawyer down in Florida that got all the copyrights. What, what were you doing? We could have been rolling in it, getting all the copyrights for the any and any potential name that they wanted to come up with. He apparently has the copyright for now. And you were twiddling your thumbs up in New York. We could have been millionaires. I was busy working. <laughs> I was busy working. And I wouldn't want to interfere with the, at long last, replacement of a very disrespectful name with a good name. So uh, if I were to do that and go out and copyright nationals or copyright generals or copyright red tails, or copyright monuments, I mean, you got to be kidding me. It was actually named the Washington Monuments. My idea was naming the Washington Wasps. So one side of the helmet could be the insect, and the other inside, the other side of the helmet could be like a senator with his finger raised. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in the Senate. All right, uh, yakking away. Uh, it, it's again. I don't know what I don't know what the final decision is going to be. But hopefully it'll be one that, re that the Washington fans like and will not have a lot of trouble adopting, adapting to. You know, your team is your team. When my Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens, uh, I didn't like it, but I dealt with it. I wasn't staying with the new Browns because my Browns were the guys who were just playing in Cleveland. So... They went to a new city. They took a new name, but they were the same guys. So same owner, the great Arthur Modell, who I had no 
as I said to you many times, never had a qualm with him leaving. Uh, the city of Cleveland disrespected him. He had no choice but to leave. Baltimore brought him in. They paid him a fortune. Business is business. And they won two Super Bowl since. And meanwhile, Cleveland, the new Cleveland Browns, were able to somehow build a new stadium, which they couldn't build for him, and have been a more open franchise ever since. So I made the right decision. I'm sure most, if not all, fans are excited for what their new team name will be. There's a, a ton of potential now that the franchise has in store for it. It's not every day you get the chance to do this. They might even do what some teams have done and leak it on social media to see how fans of the sport and of the team react to it. And if they shoot down whatever stupid idea they come up with, just say, oh, no, that just got leaked and then come out with something else. And, and we'll see. In terms, of, in terms of the financial scenario for Daniel Snyder, let's remember, like you said, even some who may be disgruntled, there's going to be a ton. They're going to have to all go out and buy new stuff. So the Washington logo, whatever it is, the jerseys, whatever they may be, the helmets, the hats, you name it. That's all going to be new stuff. It's all going to be out there for Washington fans to gobble up, not just the fans in D.C., but the Washington fans nationwide, of which there are many. So that will also help him from a financial standpoint. Yeah, and, and not we'll, that he needs any help. We'll also see if they drag their feet on this too, because they just announced that they're retiring, getting rid of the name, not that they have the new name ready. We could get to the start of opening day, fingers crossed, just in general, and then say, Well, it was too much of a hassle if we were to change it, so we're just gonna play this year through and after this year we'll get a new name. Okay. <laughs> Here we go again. So we'll see. But fingers crossed that we at least get to start the regular season and we can either yell or tip our cap to whatever they decide. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Let's hope next week there's no more bad news and that we're continuing to make progress towards starting a new baseball season, finishing an NBA season and an NHL season, and heading for the playoffs. Until next week, for my man, my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I'm El Renato, AKL from White Plains. Have a great and safe weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>